Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. I want to start today by asking you to think about this instrument here for a moment. Uh, I grew up in Chicago, and whenever we would eat outside in the summer, we would hear this electric sound. It was the sound of bugs flying to their death. Uh, Bugs will voluntarily fly to this thing. Uh, They will choose to enter into, to participate in the very thing that will lead to their death. Uh, Why would a bug do that? Well, their enemy is smart enough to know that you can't just say to a bug, choose death and have it choose death. The bug zapper involves deception. It involves the, the promise of life. A bug looks at this light and it's drawn to it. Uh, They look at the light and they think, that's a very cool looking light. I'd like to get closer to that light. It's so beautiful. And then they fly in and get zapped. Now, try to get inside the head of a bug for a moment. Like try to think like a bug for just a moment because you would think that after a while, bugs would wise up. You think they would observe that Underneath the light is filled with bodies of impulsive bugs who have gone before them. Uh, You would think that some thoughtful bug would say, whoa, wait a minute. I'm not going to just blindly fly and follow my desires. I notice all of my friends get drawn into this, but they never come back. I'm going to consider just how high a price I'm willing to pay for an experience of a close look at this beautiful light. But no bug ever does that. Apparently, they say to themselves, I know what I'm doing. I'm strong enough and I'm smart enough and I'm clever enough to handle this attraction without getting burned. And only a bug would be that stupid, right? Uh, Let me show you another deceptive trap of the enemy. Do you want to guess what kind of bug this catches? We don't know from the book of Genesis what kind of fruit it was, but we're told that there was a tree that grew fruit and it was forbidden. Genesis 3, 6 says, the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. Zap. I mean, you've got to wonder, every time we read about another person who falls to temptation and destroys their life, destroys their marriage, destroys their family, destroys their own soul, like why did it happen? Why do we choose to violate our values, the very foundation of our lives? Why do we voluntarily give in to whatever we know is going to destroy our soul? Why do we fly to the light? Why do intelligent people engage in stupid dark actions that we know we'll be ashamed of? Well, the writers of scriptures say at least part of the answer is you and I have an enemy and he's bigger and stronger and smarter than we are. Paul writes in Ephesians 6, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil. There's something we all need to understand. The fundamental identity of the evil one is tempter. He is tempter. His fundamental weapon is simply temptation. 
And that's why Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Temptation is what the evil one does. And this really matters. This is extremely important. And so I want to turn to one of the classic passages in the Bible on temptation. It's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And this is to help us understand what Jesus is getting at when he teaches us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul is writing about temptations that the Israelites gave into during the Exodus that just destroyed them. And he closes with this. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Now, this is one of the central statements in Scripture about temptation. And I want to walk you through, in this message, three observations about temptation that flow right out of this verse. And the first one is from the very first sentence in it. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. You can expect temptation. Uh, You will be tempted, so don't get surprised. Don't get caught off guard. Don't be disappointed by it. When Jesus teaches us to pray, deliver us from the evil one, he doesn't mean deliver us from the experience of temptation because there is no human being on the face of this earth who is delivered from temptation. Jesus himself was tempted. People will sometimes act as if they're surprised when they get tempted. It's part of being human. We are to pray for deliverance from giving in to temptation, from being destroyed by temptation. No one is temptation-free, and this means that your ability to resist the evil one in a moment of temptation is enormously important. Uh, To identify the temptation and to resist the evil one is huge. And so a critical question for you and me to consider is this, what is my temptation? Where are you most vulnerable to temptation? Maybe it's a box of donuts. Maybe it's the letters S-A-L-E. Maybe it's cheating on a test or an expense account. Maybe it's a lie that will get you what you want. Maybe it's an adult site on the internet. Maybe it's in a bottle. Maybe it's the joy of passing judgment on others who struggle. Maybe it's spreading gossip about people you don't like. Maybe it has to do with ego and making yourself look better than you really are. Where are you most vulnerable to temptation? Let me explain something here about the word Jesus uses for temptation. Uh, It's interesting that the word translated temptation is also translated testing in scripture. Uh, Now, the typical story for temptation in the Bible is the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden when the serpent tempted them to eat the forbidden fruit. Uh, The typical story of testing in the Bible is when Abraham was commanded by God to sacrifice his son Isaac. And the core idea of this word is allowing oneself to be torn away from God. In the Bible, temptation is never trivial. In our day, the word is often trivialized and people will use it for certain foods. In the Bible, it's not about fatty desserts or petty indulgences. In the Bible, the human soul is at stake. 
Giving into temptation is allowing myself to be torn away from the God who loves me. That's what's at stake. And the tempter is not stupid. He's not going to say, choose death. He's not going to try to tempt you with something that is obviously destructive and repulsive to you. The most dangerous temptation you face is probably not the most, most dra- dramatic one. It's the one most likely to subtly lure you away from intimacy with God. It may be that the most important temptation you face today is just busyness. That's what's keeping you from deep prayer. That's what's keeping you from deep love for God or from deep uh, trusting faith. Maybe you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry and busyness from your life. If the evil one can't, can't make you bad, he will make you busy. He will keep you in a hurry so that you don't have time to spend with God. Or maybe the most important temptation you face isn't busyness, it's the couch and the television. You see, the evil one does not have the power to destroy you. He can't kill you. He can't wrestle you away from God. The evil one is by no means the counterpart of God in terms of power. I mean, God is all-powerful and all-knowing and all-present, and the evil one is none of these. Essentially, the single power the evil one has is to tempt you. If any human being's soul is destroyed, including yours and mine, it will be through temptation. And the temptation battle is the most important battle you will ever fight. And you may be in it up to your neck right now. It's the most important battle you will ever fight. The evil one will try to make it look as if it were not so, as if giving into temptation was no big deal, but it is. This is not a petty thing. Think about this. The truth is, any time a human being, a human life, what is most valuable to God, any time a human being is destroyed spiritually, it has to be through temptation. It's through giving into temptation. So expect it. There's no, ex- no exception to this rule. No temptation has seized you except what is common to human beings, men and women, you and me. All right, the second observation is in the second half of verse 13. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. The second observation is that God knows just how much you can bear. And he will not allow you to be tempted beyond that. Now, this statement is sometimes misused by Christians to talk about suffering. They'll sometimes say to a person in bad pain, uh, God won't let you suffer beyond what you can bear. But Paul doesn't say that. People suffer to the point of death every day all around the world. Uh, This is about temptation, and God knows just how much you can bear. I used to work out with a friend who knows a lot about uh, the body and physical conditioning, and there were times when I would be lifting weights and every muscle in my body would be screaming, stop, put it down. And he would say to me, you can do two more reps. Come on, you've got two more in you. I mean, in my mind, I would be cussing at him, uh, but I would do two more reps. And you know what? He was always right. I don't know how he knew, but he knew how much I could bear. And I'll tell you something. God knows just how much temptation you can bear. God knows. I don't know how he knows, but he knows. And he will not allow the evil one to go beyond that point. He will not. That's a promise from scripture. Now, this ought to be very encouraging to you. There is no temptation you face that is not filtered through the Father's eyes and his care and his hand. 
we can have that hope. But there's also a kind of sobering implication, and that is you and I can never rationalize giving into sin by saying, I couldn't help myself. I just couldn't resist any further. God doesn't leave that excuse open to us. He didn't intend to. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will flee, but it'll take some resistance. And we have a very good trainer and he is with you all the time and he watches you real close and he knows just how much you can bear. But that means there are no excuses on this temptation deal. And if you've been letting yourself off the hook by excusing yourself, saying things like, you know, my circumstances are just so bad or I'm just so weak or I don't have a way out. I mean, that's not the teaching of scripture. It's time to face that painful reality. There are no excuses. All right, the third observation is this. Paul says, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. That's good news. When you're tempted, God himself will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it, so that you don't cave into it. God will make a way. And in the time that we have left today, I wanna to talk about three actions you and I need to take to find a way out. We'll talk about that in just a moment. So, you know, while it's true when we're tempted, God provides a way of escape, he's also given us a brain and we have to join him and do our part. You know, I used to put myself in dangerous situations and then expect God to literally stop me from giving into temptation. I blamed God when it didn't work out that way too. Early in my recovery, after, after I took full responsibility for my part, I started to resist beginnings. For instance, if Brian and I were gonna go in some place I knew alcohol would be served, I, I took my own car. You know, I wouldn't know ahead of time if I'd be overcome with temptation, but if I was, I wanted a way to run in the opposite direction, and it worked. Now, I had to struggle through it when it hit, but God met me there in those moments, and I learned how to lean into him for the strength I needed. And what I experienced is that God is always faithful, but I was also always responsible for my part. I had to resist some beginning. And what beginnings do you need to start resisting in order to join God in whatever it is that you're struggling with. Let's rejoin Matt and continue our look at how to resist temptation. All right, I wanna talk about three actions you and I need to take to find a way out. I wanna talk about the way out, about our part in being delivered from temptation. All right, here's the first one. If I had to name the single greatest emotional resource against temptation in a single word, it would be the word joy. Nehemiah 8.10 is a classic statement in scripture on this. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now think about what this means. The joy of the Lord is your strength. This is the first way out. If you want to resist the evil one, arrange your life around joy. Arrange your life to experience the joy of the Lord. I believe experiencing authentic, God-honoring joy may be the single greatest weapon against temptation a human being can have. Conversely, joylessness is always a setup for vulnerability to sin and disobedience. One writer put it like this, and this is probably the most insightful statement I've read all week. Failure to attain a deeply satisfying life always has the effect of making sinful actions seem good. 
I've seen so many people over the years, people who are leaders in church, people who are pastors, bail on God and give in to some stupid temptation because month after month, year after year, their life was just filled with busyness and all the joy got choked out of their life. They led hurried, miserable lives for such a long time that the fall was just inevitable. And here lies the strength in temptation. Our success in overcoming temptation will be easier if we're basically joyful. For example, when people experience sexual temptation, what's driving it? What's prompting it? Very often underneath it is loneliness or boredom or self-pity or resentment, maybe at a spouse. And if that's going on, then as long as I'm focused only on the sexual issues, trying really hard to resist that temptation, as long as I'm just focused on the surface, I'm not getting to the root. The root is there is a deep pain in my life that I'm not acknowledging and bringing into the light. To the extent that you have authentic joy, then temptation, which is always an offer of the illusion of joy, never joy itself, to the extent that you have authentic joy, then the deceptive illusion of joy is not gonna be very tempting, it's just not. This is very, very important. When it comes to temptation, the joy of the Lord really is strength. And so the question here is, what do you need to do to increase the joy factor in your life? What do you need to do? What are the activities and the relationships that are God-honoring that bring authentic joy in your life? Maybe it's being in nature. Maybe there's music you love to listen to. Maybe it's time with certain friends. Maybe it's a, a physical challenge that you love. Maybe it's competition. Maybe it's exercise or driving fast cars or eating good food or being near the ocean or painting or tinkering in the garden. Maybe as you pray, God lead me not into temptation, deliver me from the evil one. This needs to be part of what you're praying for. God help me to be a joyful person. Help me to find those things that will fill me with joy. But you are responsible to arrange your life so that the joy of the Lord can be your strength. You must do that. No one's gonna do that for you. And if you don't, you're a sitting duck. I mean, you're a target for the evil one. Okay, so that's one way out. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Arrange your life around joy. The second way out is you and I need to develop relationships of accountability. You see, temptation always involves hiddenness and darkness. And I just wanna say this as directly as I know how, if you think that you can handle sin and temptation on your own, you're deceiving yourself. You are sadly deceived because you've got an enemy who is stronger and smarter than you are. And if you try to handle temptation on your own, you will fall. You need someone else in your life. Here's what you need to do. You need to have someone you can go to and say, I need you to know this about me. This is my temptation. I want you to know where I'm tempted and I want you to ask me how it's going in this area of my life on a regular basis. And I want you to feel free to confront me when you're concerned about my behavior. I give you an open door. When you're tempted, you need someone to call. In 12-step programs, they call this a sponsor. A sponsor is available to you anytime, day or night, and everyone needs one. 
You need someone you can call and say, this temptation is real strong right now. I need your help. You, you need someone who's going to say to you, don't do it. It'll kill you. I'll come be with you. I'll pray with you. I'll talk to you. I'll do whatever you need me to do for you, but don't do it. Now, this is one of the fundamental differences between genuine community and pseudo community, false community, which so many churches fall into. They're not authentic community, even though they have worship services and programs, because in pseudo community, everyone pretends like they don't have a temptation problem. Yeah, I had a weakness once, but now I'm strong. You know, I've passed all that stuff. In authentic community, people know I'm just one temptation away from a real mess. In biblical communities, we're just a bunch of people with temptation problems that want to help each other. You see, in churches where people pretend like they don't have a problem, it's just death. It's just death. And in churches where grace and truth break through and people can be part of a, a little community, a little small group or a family where they get past all that junk and are honest and they say, you know what, I've got a problem and I need help. Will you help me? And people do that for each other and we recognize that we are all creatures who are much smaller and slower than the enemy and will need help from God and help from each other. I mean, there's so much power in community like that. So who in your life knows what your temptation is? Who do you call when you're struggling? And if you don't know, if you can't come up with a name right now, then I challenge you to start praying today, God, I need someone like that in my life. Help me to think about who that might be for me. Help me to understand what next step I need to take to deepen my relationship with that person until I know them well enough and can trust them deeply enough that I can share that with them. If you do have someone like that in your life, take some time this week and tell them how it's going with your temptation. Just let them know. This is a fundamental way out. Number one, you need to arrange your life for joy. Number two, you need an accountable relationship. And then the final way out, you need to immerse your mind in scripture. Immerse your mind and your life and your heart in scripture. In Ephesians 5, the apostle Paul gives a very important picture of the ministry of the word of God. Uh, Paul is talking here about the need for husbands to love their wives, but look how he describes this love. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. We are to be washed by the word. Now, let me ask you a real simple question. Uh, why do you wash something? <laughs> because it's dirty, right? The soap and the water move through the fibers of the dirty fabric and they lift out the impurities. They separate the impurities from the fabric. And this is the picture Paul is using that's worth reflecting on. You know, when Jesus was led into the desert to be tempted, how did he resist the evil one? By the way, this is important. We don't resist temptation. Not once in the Bible are we commanded to resist temptation, not once. He says, resist the tempter, resist the evil one, but not temptation. Why? Because whatever you resist, it persists. You know, the harder you push on it, I'm not gonna do this, I'm not gonna do this, the harder it pushes back. Instead of resisting, the writers of scripture teach refocusing. 
you turn the mental channel in your mind. You know, if you're watching something on TV that you shouldn't be watching, you don't say, I'm not gonna watch this, I'm not gonna watch this. No, you turn the channel. You refocus off what you've been to what you want to be and what God wants you to do with your life. This is what Jesus did when he was being tempted. He focused on the word of God and he was able to resist the evil one. You know, there are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. I would say the most helpful discipline you and I can develop is learning to memorize scripture. Luke 4 says, Jesus was tempted by the evil one and Jesus answered, it is written. Jesus answered, it is written. Jesus answered, it is written. Jesus used scripture that he had memorized against the temptation of the evil one. Jesus's mind was so washed in the word and he lived in its reality so thoroughly that he saw right through the deception of the evil one. He said, why would I even consider choosing that? Well, you need to get real clear on what your temptation is. What are you most likely to be tempted with that will pull you away from God? And then immerse your mind in relevant scriptures. And while you're doing that and washing your mind in God's word, pray. I mean, talk to God all the time. And I want you to remember something. I want you to remember this image of a bug zapper. I want you to remember the next time you face temptation, and it may be five minutes from now, I want you to remember the damage it will do to your soul. Temptation can cause you to violate your integrity, destroy a marriage, uh, create guilt and despair, interrupt the possibility of worship for you, cause you to hide from other people, lead you into hypocrisy and deception. I mean, it's just messed up. And maybe you're flying toward it right now. Don't do it. God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will make a way out. Maybe you've been battling temptation for a long time. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe the truth is the battle is not going all that well. Maybe you've not even been making much of an effort. Maybe you're wondering right now, is there enough grace for me? Is there any hope? Will things ever be any better? There really is a battle going on. You really do have an enemy, but God really will help. And it doesn't matter how hard the struggle is and it doesn't matter how many times you've fallen before, you can get back up. God will help you and it's worth the struggle. We have an enemy. And he is strong, but there is one who is stronger still, and he's won the battle. Whatever your struggle, whatever your temptation, you don't face it alone. All right, let me pray for you. God, I pray that you would give us the joy that we need, that you say is strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Give us that joy. Help us to find those joyful moments in our day that can just fill us up with life so that we will be strong when it comes to overcoming the temptation in our lives. God, I pray that um, we would rely on you, that we would rely on uh, the power of your word and the power of uh, the relationships that you've brought into our lives. God, if we don't have one, I pray that you would give us uh, an accountability partner where we can share our temptation, where we can find strength through uh, another follower of Christ in those moments when we need to be strong. And God, help us to, to value your word, 
Just like Jesus, when he was tempted, he quoted scripture that he had memorized. Help us to memorize relevant passages in the Bible that pertain maybe to our temptation so that we can find the way out. God, would you help us continue to guide us, continue to grow our knowledge and understanding of uh, this prayer, uh, the greatest prayer that was ever prayed, so that we can live this kind of full life that you want for us. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, If you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, For directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, And we hope to see you on Sunday soon.